Across the Pod NFL podcast. It's time for another team season preview. We had the Super Bowl champions last time. This time, we have the runners-up in the Philadelphia Eagles. Alpha with me, of course, a returning guest that you all know by now very well. Back with me today is Steve McGuinness. How are you, mate? I am absolutely pumped. Pre-season has started, and it's not real football. But, you know, after like a drought of months and months, you know, I will take anything I can get. Yeah, I agree. And whilst I don't watch anywhere near as much pre-season football as I do regular season and post-season, it's still nice to have that option there. Even if you don't watch it, it's nice to know that it's there. And as I said it before that when you see the pre-season starting, you know that the regular season is just around the corner. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times. Yeah, really. I, I mean, obviously last season when we did the preview for this, I was very, very pumped about our season. I was really, you know, I was really positive about the the acquisitions we'd made. I absolutely loved the AJ Brown trade at the time, but honestly, I think I just we'll get into it. But I'm I, I'm just as positive, if not more positive, this year. Yeah, I mean, you have every right to be after what happened last season. Of course, you won the NFC East, you won the NFC, and you were oh so close um, from winning the Super Bowl. And really, if the referees won that game, you would have won the whole thing. So it's um, yeah, exciting times. And in the off-season, there's been a lot of incomings and outgoings. Um, the main outgoings um, include Miles Sanders, the running back who has gone to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Sidney Gardner-Johnson has gone to the Lions. Um, Marcus Epps, a safety, has gone to the Raiders. Javon Hargrave, probably the biggest loss of all, has gone to the 49ers, your defensive tackle. Um, everyone's favourite quarterback, Gardner Minshew, has gone to the Colts. And Dominic and Sue has left, and so far is without a team. And the main ins in free agency include uh, Rashad Penny, who came in via the Seahawks, who running back. Marcus Mariota, of course, star of the quarterback documentary from the Falcons, is now your backup. Safety Terrell Edmonds has come in via the Steelers. Wide receiver Olamide Zacchaeus has come in via the Falcons wide receiver. Tight end Dan Arnold has come in via the Jaguars. Zach Cunningham, the linebacker, has come in through the Titans. And Miles Jack has come in, another linebacker from the Steelers, as well as you trading for DeAndre Swift, um, who came from the Lions. You've re-signed James Bradbury, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, to name a few. And in the draft, you took Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, ninth overall from Georgia. You took Nolan Smith, linebacker from Georgia, 30th overall. Then you took Keely Ringo, cornerback from Georgia, 105th overall. So overall for you, Steve, how have you found the offseason as a whole for your team? So I, it's difficult to know where to start here. Um, I mean, the Bradbury thing was the one that got me because I remember we we kind of much... I don't know, was it, was it Bradbury or... Who was the player we said we'd release? Darius Slay. We said we'd release them and then we suddenly re-signed them. Um, and obviously, we brought in some excellent free agents. Um, I'll be honest, I was I was really glad when we got the trade for DeAndre Swift, not just because of the price we paid for him, because Swift's a running back I've always held in really high regard, uh, but because Sanders was one of those players who I loved him in regular season, but he just so rarely showed up in the playoffs when it really mattered. Um, and Swift's one of those players who he's never seen the preseason because obviously the, the postseason because obviously he's a Lions player, you know. And if James Harrison's listening to this, suck it, Lions. Um, <laughs> they, they they just um, and I was just I felt like he was going to be another one of those really great running back talents that was wasted on a bad team. So to see him come in and to bring in Rashad Penny, who for always he's a, an immense talent um, if he stays fit. You look at his seasons at the Seahawks uh, when he was fit you know he was a superb back 
obviously his, his time there was limited as soon as Kenneth Walker showed up. Um, so the Eagles running game now, I think we always got a running back by committee, but now the two at the top of the committee are are just they look top class. Um, obviously a wide receiver. I'm pleased we've seen we've brought in some backups for uh, for Smith and Brown. Um, and it, Zacchaeus isn't um, he's not the kind of top class guy I would like to get in. You know, he's a kind of like here's your number three slot receiver. I don't think he'll see as much action as everyone thinks because obviously with Dallas Goddard at a tight end, he's been picking up a lot of the short yardage passing. Um, but it, it, you know, the offense looks very, very good. Um, but really, the free agency was was good. We, we picked up a couple of good talents. I really want to talk about the draft because I I've spoken to you about this at length since the draft. I've spoken to pretty much anyone that will listen. Uh, but we had a fantastic draft. I mean, you know, trade up and get Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, you know, resolves, I think, immediately our issues at defensive tackle. Um, but to get Nolan Smith, an edge rusher like that, falling to 30. Now, I know there was some concerns about his off-field conduct, but the thing that the Eagles has always, have always done is they've always taken talent like that and they've kind of polished them out. They've, like, you know, got them to toe the line. We, we don't kind of... You don't hear so many stories about Eagles fan players getting, you know, caught for DUI. Eagles fans players kind of beating up their wives, kind of thing. We just, whilst the team and the fan base has a reputation, the actual players have always been very, very disciplined. And that's just part of the organization's culture. Um, I like that we are continuing this pattern of just continually drawing on Georgia players. Um, we have been doing that for a couple of years now, uh, and it good, it's it good because it builds a kind of the team already has that kind of inner strength from having played together before or understanding the culture of the previous uh, previous teams. And it does make it a lot easier, especially for the rookies, to integrate themselves into the team. Obviously, the one thing you worry about in season one is can the, can, can the rookie come in and kind of, you know, can they fix, can, can they come into the culture and be, you know, and be that, that kind of perfect fit? Uh, I think when you're drafting so many people from the same college, you you already have that mentality makes it a lot simpler. Um, but I, we were talking there about who we drafted. The guy I wanted to talk about the most actually is uh, the third guy we drafted from Georgia, which is Kelly Ringo. Now we have always struggled. I thought at cornerback. I mean, I love Darius Slate. I'm so pleased we re-signed him. But this guy, keep an eye on him this season. He is going to be an absolute standout. Um, I can genuinely see him being the running for rookie of the year. Um, I've watched his tape uh, at, at college. I've watched him uh, in preseason. He's very reminiscent to me of Sauce Gardner, and I think I think we've got a real gem there. Well, if if, he, if if he's even half as good as Sauce Gardner was in this rookie year, I think you've got a player there. Um, I mean, I've someone's I've never heard of him, but um, the Eagles, what you've done in the last few years, you've drafted extremely well. So I think Harry Roseman. I think you could argue now he's one of the best GMs in the in the business, and um, I think you know he know he's shown that he knows what he's doing, and of course he's had a lot of success as a result of it. Um, but of course you mentioned a lot of ins and outs in terms of on players wise, but one departure that I think could impact you, which is where our first talking point is going to be, is your former or now former offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, who is now the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, of course he was a big part of um your success last year. Now, we saw Josh Allen drop off a little bit with when Brian Dayball left him as OC. Do you worry at all about Jane Hurts, the fact that he's had only really one good year? Um, do you worry at all about him 
you know, with Shane Steichen being gone, do you think that's going to impact Jane Hurts at all going into 2023? If it was an external hire, I'd be concerned about it. But it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the kind of culture within the Eagles. Um, the guy that's come in and is now the new OC, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson arrived with us two years ago uh, as the quarterback's coach. So he's the guy that's been sitting working with Jalen Hurts pretty much since he hit the team. You know, he knows Hurts' strengths and weaknesses. He knows the kind of play calling that Hurts likes. Um, and he's I, I think he's a guy who will get the absolute best out of Jalen Hurts this season. Um, I was really pleased to see that we didn't have much in the way of injuries preseason. I've seen a lot of kind of, we're only, what, two, three weeks into preseason. Already I'm starting to see, like, you know, players carted off the field, hamstrings here, calf muscles there. I haven't seen much in the way of, of uh, injuries with the Eagles. There seems to be some, you know, the most positive thing about them seems to be the strength and conditioning coach. Um, but the other thing, Brian Johnson, um, the offensive coordinator, is 36 years old, yeah? If you look at the the three guys who are coaching at the Eagles, yeah, um, Nick Sirianni, the head coach, is the oldest of the three, and he's only forty two. Yeah, these are guys who they've all come as a coach, and they've all been coaching for like ten plus years. Uh, Brian Johnson started at Utah, uh, then he went to Mississippi State, Houston, Florida, joined us eventually in in twenty twenty one. Sean Desai, who we've got as a defensive coordinator, obviously replacing uh, uh, he shall not be named. Uh, you know, he's been coaching since 2006. He was at Temple, he was at Miami, Boston. He was actually at the Bears for a while. Um, then he went to Seahawks and then came to us this year. These are guys who are, they're not old, but they're um, they're experienced in terms of both the, the college system and most importantly, uh, the NFL. They're not rookies coming into their first job or first high profile job. They're guys coming in who understand the league and who understand uh, the specific rules within the league. So do do I think that the loss of, of Steichen is going to be keenly felt? It depends, I think, upon whether or not Steichen was viewed as the guy who was going to replace Sirianni, and I don't think he was. I think Sirianni's a long-term hire. And I think Steichen was always one of those guys that, no matter how much talent he showed there, he was always going to have to leave to get um, to that next level, as, as he's done. Um, I don't think his I think he'll improve the Colts offense but to be honest having seen them last season that wouldn't be hard although they're going to have some serious issues this season with the whole Jonathan Taylor situation um, but honestly I don't see us dropping off uh, nearly to the extent that, that people suggest and I say it's very specifically because Brian Johnson who you know is the quarterback coach that's been working with Hawks for two years um, he's now his offensive coordinator he will tailor the play calling um, to you know the kind of things that favor Hurts. We'll see a lot of uh, a lot of option plays. We'll uh, we we basically Hurts will run for another thousand yards this season. Uh, the running backs we brought in Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift. I can see one of them getting a thousand yards as well because teams will either they, they will set to the outside to try and stop Hurts from going wide, um, or they'll kind of block the middle. Uh, and that's going to, you know, Hertz has been developing year on year on year in terms of his arm strength and his accuracy. And we saw last year, A.G. Brown was off the chain. Um, you know, uh, Devonta Smith had probably won, had his best year so far. And that's going to continue. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I mean, it's, um, 
you know, it's always, you know, hard to really say it until you see it actually come to fruition. But I think from what you're saying now, the internal hire, it sounds like they know they, they got a guy who knows how Hertz works, who's worked with him before. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. That will probably help you going into the season. But of course, whether there's a trend in recent years of the Super Bowl hangover and now the Super Bowl runner-up jinx has been called here. This could be play, but it could not be because, of course, last you know last year the um, Bengals obviously went on to Super Bowl and they obviously went on and and won it. It's only they lost it, but also next year they went back and went to the AFC Championship game. But there were a lot of teams who otherwise. So, Forty Nine ers twenty nineteen, um, they made Super Bowl fifty four, thirteen three records, and then the following year they went six and ten, had a massive injury bug. Year before that, the Rams who made Super Bowl. The 13-3 record, 9-7, and the late night, they didn't make the playoffs either. Panthers, 2015, uh, of course, they lost it. 15-1 that year, 6-10 the year before that. Um, and they haven't, I think, they've only one playoff game since that. You know, the Patriots went 16-0, went 11-5 the following year and missed out on the playoffs. That's probably a bit of an anom- anomaly. But for you, Steve, does that worry you at all? The fact that the team went so far, such a heartbreaking loss, you know, have the motivation to go back. Does that worry you about this trend that's gone on in recent years with teams that have not only won it, but also lost the Super Bowl? There's always one or two teams that they have amazing seasons and they just drop off the following year. Um, partly that can be down to players get to like you know the big occasion uh, and then they start thinking about money instead of winning. Um, and what you start seeing is contract disputes, arguments behind the scenes, players falling out with each other. You know, uh, and a kind of general breakdown in the in communication and culture at the back in the the back or in the, the dressing room. I have not heard anything like that from the Eagles. All I've heard is from the guys who have resigned the veterans, like the Brandon Graham's, Fletcher Cox's, etc. They've just all I ever hear from them is they're hungrier than ever, right? All I ever hear from them is talking positively about the new guys coming in, the new the, the rookies coming in. You know, I hear the rookies sitting there going, this is great. These guys, are, they understand that I'm here to take the position, but they want to win so badly. So they want to help me develop, you know. And again, you said before, this goes down to Howie. Um, Howie's recruitment, he tends to draft personalities as much as talent. And he tends to draft guys who historically are known for having really good, you know, locker room presences. We have had the occasional... um. Well, it's slightly more controversial individuals. I mean, we had Ndamukong Sue last season. Uh, we had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who had had his fair share of disputes when he was at Saints. But again, when they arrived at the Eagles, you didn't hear anything out of them. All you heard was, you know, they were quiet, they got their head down, they, they bought into the culture and they wanted to win. Um, and I'll be honest, on the two teams that were in the, the, the Super Bowl last year, um, again, whilst I still think Mahomes is by far the best quarterback in the league, I think actually maybe the Chiefs have a little bit more of a drop-off this year. Um, but I've no doubt they'll still make the playoffs, but I can see them you know, drop into like 10, 11 wins. Um, that might still be enough with their division. Uh, depends because Burroughs you know, picked up a, a niggling little injury there preseason. That might affect the, the Bengals a bit. Um, but I I don't know. Um, I, I don't think – I don't worry about it so much for the Eagles – um, because I don't see that happening so much to NFC East teams because they always have to stay super competitive. Um, the last time we had a massive drop-off was uh, Chip Kelly. Now, 
that was less to do with the fact that um you know we, we'd gone quite far in the playoffs and more to do with the fact that a guy who ran a college offense um found out that that only works for a year um and, and that's you know it's the same when he's, he's gone to san francisco as soon as you start running a college offense that's fine you'll get away with it for a short period of time and then the teams around you will adapt Sirianni doesn't seem to do that he's he adapts he changes uh the team constantly keeps the opposition guessing and has so many threats that it's very hard to kind of just you know you can't really stack the box you can't really sit deep you know we are a run first team but we'll beat you in the air and I think there's just too much talent there for there to be any kind of hangover uh also when we mentioned the Rams there and their you know complete collapse after winning the Super Bowl uh, one of the things about that was that was a team very much filled with with veterans and, and high-priced kind of talent towards the end of their careers, whereas this Eagles team is very young and very hungry. I think it's one of the youngest in the league. So I have no concerns about that whatsoever. You mentioned veterans there. Now, you, obviously, there are a lot of good young players, but you've still got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, four Big parts of of your of your offensive defense, and you know we see it's a lot of football where I think John Terry had it where he has this amazing year, and then suddenly it just drops off completely. A little swan song. Stephen Gerald had it, and then what look what happened to him. And do you worry at all that for those four? I mean, I think most of them came back to to try and do it again this year. Does that worry you that maybe it's almost one year too far for them, and they maybe they had their 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 perfect time to go out last year, especially if they'd won it? Uh, do you think potentially? That could be a problem in terms of four big parts of your team, not just on the field, but also off the field, if they have just gone maybe one year too far. I think um, what, what I expected after the Super Bowl last year was whichever team won it, we were going to see a Kelsey retirement, uh, whether it was Travis or Jason. Um, and I think whichever one lost it was always going to come back the next year hungrier than ever to kind of you know show that they were the Super Bowl, Super Bowl winner. Um I think uh, of the, the ones who've come by, I think Fletcher Cox was the one that worried me the most because um, he's kind of, he's closer to being that, you know, going six months and then saying, right, you know what, I can't do this anymore. My body's breaking down on me than the rest of them. Um, Kelsey has that. He has a certain magic about him. I noticed there's a, a Netflix documentary about to be done on him, which I absolutely cannot wait to see. Um because he's he's the kind of character that like you know we I, I don't know if anyone's watched the quarterbacks um on NFL uh, on Netflix last week uh, that's a lot of fun but you're gonna put like a, a you're gonna put a live camera in front of Jason Kelks for a long period of time and uh, oh that's gonna be that's gonna be gold um so yeah I I am kind of a little bit worried uh, I'm less worried about Brandon Graham because obviously I feel that uh, you know we drafted well. That if he kind of does drop off, there's there's uh, people behind him. There's there's uh, some good rookies behind him now to come in and, and kind of pick up that slack. I think Sirianni's a clever coach. I think Sirianni will actually use the veterans a little bit less uh, this year, so that they are fresher for the bigger games and he can play them more. Um, I think we'll probably see them play more in divisional games. Uh, we'll probably see them play less in in road games against uh, weaker teams. But no, I have I I don't. I think, for especially for Cox, I think this is a swan song. I think um, this is win or bust. I think Kelsey, maybe, depending on how far we go. Uh, Graham, maybe less so. Lane Johnson, maybe less so. 
but yeah, this is definitely a year where at the end of it, uh, one, if not two of those players will no longer be Eagles. Uh, and when they retire, they will retire, you know, with with kind of, I'm not saying jerseys retire, but they will retire and never have to buy another uh, another round in their life in Philadelphia. Absolutely there. You know, the icons in this franchise, you know, they were big parts of the team that won a Super Bowl, you know, bought a Super Bowl title to Philadelphia. And, um, you know, this is a, they get all the stick they want, but the fan base is one of the best in terms of being, you know, being there for a team, even though they can boo players at times, stuff like that. They're, it's a big sports town. So they bought Lombardi Trophy to Philadelphia. I think they will always be always be remembered for that reason. And you mentioned Jason Kalt's documentary. I don't know whether I watched it yesterday. Have you watched Johnny Manziel documentary yet? No, I've caught highlights of it on YouTube and everyone I know has watched it and kind of given me their feedback on it. Um, I'm a bit low to watch it, to be honest, because obviously Manziel himself is a very polarising individual. Uh, and from what I've heard, a lot was quite sympathetic towards him. And I'm like, this, this is a guy who, you know, most of what happened to him was was self-inflicted. And I'm not sure when I want to watch something that kind of like paints him in a very positive or sympathetic light, given that the guy the guy was an ass. <laughs> you know, he he's like he didn't have the mentality for, for the league. He didn't want to knuckle down. He thought not rattened raw natural talent would see him through. Um, but that's that's not the case. It never it has been the case in the league. Players with that mentality flame out in a couple of years. Um, so I will probably watch it in its entirety at some point over the weekend. Uh, assuming I'm not playing Baldur's Gate. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember I, I'm looking at the, was, I don't know if it was Skip Bayless or Colin Cowherd who said when Manziel was drafted that Manziel would be bigger for the city of Cleveland than LeBron ever was. Yeah, and that is the coldest of cold takes. Um, but again, the signs were all there from his, his behaviours in college. Uh, I, there's a great story about Manziel being drafted in that uh, Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones's son, uh, actually had to take the phone off him during the first round draft to prevent him from drafting Manziel because all the scouts had said he does not belong in this franchise. He will not make it in this franchise. But Jerry was utterly convinced that that was his boy. Yeah, I think Jerry Jones is a terrible GM. I think he's a good owner, but um, going back to the Manziel, I mean, I watched it the day, and I must say, it is. I thought it's amazing because uh, he just, it just, you get such an insight into what was going on behind the scenes. And I get your point. There's a little bit of you know makes him look good, but at the same time, he does own up to a lot of his problems. He owns up to his mental health issues. He, he they show him going to a he entered. I think it was a whether it was high school, whether it was his college. Uh, it might be in Texas A and M Hall of Fame. He had some sort of ceremony where he was. He was doing that, and he, he was owning up to his mistakes then. And I think the takeaway is that he, he, he basically he's aware of what he's done, and he's aware that he wasn't ready. Um, and I, it sounds like he, he's trying to change, but he is still, you know, hosting parties and drinking beer and all that. So I don't know whether he's changed that much. But the thing that's struck me the most is I won't spoil it too much, but his iPad hours were zero point zero. So the iPad watching watching film, it was zero hours. Oh, of- so he was uh, he was Demarcus Russell then. Yeah, hopefully not empty tape with him, but um, that's that. But Russell one is the best story I've ever heard. Was it's it the Frank best Reich ever? Who gave him, was it Frank Reich who, who was one of the co- the coaches the core base at the time who gave him that blank tape? But yeah, yeah and he said, "Here's here's your film for 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 this week. Watch it. Come back to me and tell me everything about it." 
Uh, and yeah, and he came back and says, yeah, coach, watch the whole thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally ready for the game. It's like, you're a lying idiot. <laughs> um, right, let's head to the final segment, which is going to be our win-loss tie record. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcasts or Spotify, and you aren't aware of the process by now, we ask every guest to predict their team's record by going through each game and answering win, loss, and tie. Now, of course, Steve, you were here last year for the same segment. So the actual record of the Eagles was 14-3. and can you remember what your prediction was till your record prediction from last year? Uh, it would not be far off that. I think I had 13 and 4 or 14 and 3. It was I, a genuine. I don't think there were too many teams I thought we couldn't beat. Yeah, it, it was 11 and 6. So you were fairly, fairly close. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's you know, only, only three wins off. Um, so far, if I'm right in thinking, no one's actually who's come back on the show this year so far has had the same exact same bang on prediction so uh, I think there were a couple uh, although there was there was Keg our Panthers fan who had it right but um, yeah I think this year you know, obviously probably betting a lot more than 11 wins uh, but it starts off in week one in Gillette Stadium against the New England Patriots uh, win loss or tie uh, interesting one because obviously they've just signed Zeke so uh, um, they have um, to me one of the best prospect running backs in the league and I'm under Stevenson someone who I absolutely loved watching in his rookie season. And I kind of predicted back then he would be their first choice back. Um, I think the veteran presence of Zeke will actually help him. And I think it will help the, the Patriots. You can never, ever, ever uh, underestimate a Bill Belichick team. So it's going to be a very tough one. I think the Patriots' problem, as ever, is at wide receiver uh, and mainly at quarterback. They still haven't resolved what they're going to do about the Mike Jones situation. They should have done something about it three, four months ago. Either, you know, either call that he is the guy for the franchise for the next few years or draft high. Um, so do, do, do also given Mac Jones' inability to really get away from tacklers and the strength of a pass rush, that's a win. Okay, so that is a win. Going into week two, your first home game of the season um, against the Minnesota Vikings. Ah, now here's where, where my issue is with this. Um, our secondary has never been, uh, to me, you know, uh, leading. Uh, we've never had a source gardener. I love Darius Slay. He's a top talent pro bowler. And obviously, he will be tasked with trying to keep Justin Jefferson in check. Um, but again, it comes down to, A, is it prime time? In which case, the Vikings are going to lose because Cousins is going to choke. Uh, or is it a kind of standard Sunday Sunday afternoon kickoff um, with, you know, the Vikings maybe already having won the first game? Uh, in which case the pressure's off a little and they'll play a bit more relaxed. They will suffer from the fact that Matson is now this, their number one running back and Dalvin Cook has left. I get that was a salary decision, but um, they, they, that, they will struggle to get the run game together for me this season. And that will limit Cousins because uh, he'll have to target Jefferson more often and go through the air more often. So it's going to be one of the tightest games of the season for me, uh, even that early, but we are going to win. Yeah, and it is on Thursday night football as well. So um that probably oh, in which case we're, we're guaranteed anytime it's like a prime time thingy game and cousins is playing, no problem. <laughs> um week three um is a road game again, this time against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Am I worried about a team that has Baker Mayfield at quarterback? No, not at all. We win that. <laughs> Okay, so week four uh, is a home game, this time against the Washington Commanders. Who may have changed their name again by the time the game <laughs> starts. Um, 
to be honest, they they actually interestingly they've had a really positive postseason and a decent draft, uh, and that's mainly because they finally got rid of Dan Snyder. But they will be a team in transition this year. Um, they still haven't addressed their issues at quarterback. They have, for me, one of the top five wide receivers, if he isn't quarterback in the league, in Scary Terry. But um, again, at running back, they're going to be a bit confused. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what their strategy is there. We have running back by committee, but we know from the start of the season it's running back by committee. They tend to start with a clear number one back and then move to committee and then back to number one back and then to committee. Um, Taylor Heineke is not the guy. Um, no, the, that's no, no. The only it's it's a road game. I get it, uh, and it's at our it's at that god awful stadium. So there's a very high chance of us getting a player or two injured, and a very high chance of them getting a player or two injured. Um, but we should win that comfortably. Okay, so week five is a road game um, against the Los Angeles Rams. Now. I had a conversation with someone about this during the week. Uh, and we talked we talked to her about the kind of Super Bowl hangover. Um, this is a Rams team that will come back with a, a healthy, angry, focused Aaron Donald. And hopefully for them, a healthy, uh, at his peak, Cooper Cup. Now, with that, with Stafford at centre, uh, a quarterback, um, they have drafted well. They've got a, a decent one-two punch at running back now. I I fancy the Rams to do well this year, and I have a horrible feeling that that's going to be one of our those games that on paper we should absolutely crush, but we'll go there and we will, you know, the rookies will, will suddenly find that trying to block Aaron Donald is a lot harder than you think. Um, so it will require Hurts to be immensely mobile. If Donald gets to him a couple of times in the first half. I think the Rams will sneak that. So that could be our first defeat. Hey, so then week six is a road game again, uh, but this time against the New York Jets. Oh, God. Uh, what do I make of that franchise? Um, <laughs> um, I like that Rodgers has done the, the honourable thing and said, I'm due 50 odd million this year, but I will defer it till next year so that you can go out and bring in players like Dalvin Cook, uh, Randall Cobb, uh, so basically, so he can bring in talent around him to give him the best chance of winning. I know the Jets are—they're not heavy favorites, but they are—they are strongly tipped to 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 fight with the Bills for the, uh, the top of that division. That's actually going to be a really competitive division this year because obviously, if Tua stays fit for um, the Dolphins, um, you know you could get three-way three-way battle at the top there. <clears throat> uh, I hate Aaron Rodgers as a human being. I respect him as a quarterback. My gut instinct says he was falling off last year, and we're not going to see. We're going to see um, a Peyton Manning at the Broncos in the Super Bowl winning season version of uh, Rogers this year. Um, but uh, they're going to if they've gone into that game with any kind of momentum and they've won a, they've won three at the first five, then they should win that at home. So okay. yeah, Jets Jets will beat us. So that is two straight losses. Hopefully it continues in week seven, a game I'll be going to, um, unless trains go horribly wrong. Um, Dolphins take on the Eagles in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, well, whilst you might be super hopeful for that, i got to remind you that the Dolphins are a terrible road team uh, and the Eagles are one of the best 
home teams in the league, um, not just last season, but over the last 10 years. Um, there is something about the link that intimidates players coming into it. Um, but I think if we come off the back of two losses, and that Jets game will be tough, if we come off the back of two losses, um, there will be a lot of motivation on players to to right that ship. Um, and I can see us, I can see us winning that. I can see us really putting the putting the pound a pounding on the Dolphins. Well, as discussed in the last episode, I am owned for a live Dolphins game. So um yeah. Oh great, you'll be owned five then. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and I I hope <laughs> if I did um I can get a few friends of friends. I'll be going to that game in Germany the week before. So it could easily be 0 and 6 by the end of that season. <laughs> <laughs> um well, my week in America continues as this time you guys travel to Washington at FedEx Field to take on the Commanders. Yeah, um, we we won that. I mean, Washington are just you you build your team based on your division so that you can get six wins a year. We built a team that's in beat Washington. Washington hasn't built a team that knows how to cope with Philadelphia. That's a, that's an Eagles win. Okay, and then week nine probably is your biggest rivals in the Dallas Cowboys at the Lincoln Financial Field again. Okay, let's just push back there a sec. Our biggest rivals. I'm more worried this season about the Giants than I am about the Cowboys. Really? The Giants drafted really well. The Giants had a really good season last year. I really respect Dayball as a coach. I don't respect McCarthy as a coach. <laughs> um, and I think that the Cowboys have very, very big issues that they haven't addressed in the offseason. So, yeah, and it's Cowboys at the link. The players will be fired up. The fans will be fired up. That's a home win. Hey, so then you go into after week 10 by into week 11 um, on the road to the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, a rematch of Super Bowl 57. Yeah, that is a loss. Um, we, I, I just, I feel like Sirianni's going to use that as like a tester. He's going to try and work out what the, where, where, where the weaknesses are in that Chiefs uh, offense and defense uh, for when we see them again in the Super Bowl this year, so. Okay, we are running low on time, so we'll quickly run through um, three games in a row. You've got the Bills at home, the Niners at home, and then the Cowboys on the road. How are you seeing those three games? Uh, Bills at home to win, Niners at home to win. Cowboys on the road is probably a loss because uh, we do poorly in Arlington. Okay, so that means going to week 15 on the road to the Seattle Seahawks. Win. Okay, so that means you're 10-4 going into week 16, which is a home game against the team you've mentioned just before in the New York Giants. Um, that will be the one for me that decides which of us wins the division. Um, and it'll be us. Um, so that's an Eagles win. Well, that'll be a amazing Christmas Day present for you. That'll be on at 9.30pm in the UK for all those UK fans listening. 4.30pm if you're watching in Eastern time. So yeah, that's a perfect day to post your post-Turkey you know, you're in a carb coma after all the potatoes and all the chocolate you've eaten. So sit down, watch the game, and hopefully you'll see your team win. Um, week 17 um, in Arizona, of course, where you played in the Super Bowl on New Year's Eve, um, so 6 p.m. for UK uh, listeners to this podcast, against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are absolute trash, but we will beat the Cardinals. Great. And then finally... Week 18, you head to New York, which might be on my birthday, on if it's on the Sunday, uh, at the New York Giants. So what are we, 12 and 5 now? 12 and 4. 12 and 4. 12 and 4, 12 and 4. Uh, if we have beaten them uh, at the link, it'll be down to whether or not they're still in contention. 
Uh, I think they will be in contention. Uh, I think they did the right thing in getting Sacco onto a one-year deal and improving terms a little bit. Um, because I think there's a, a slot right now of running backs, and it's, it's sad to see. Um, but they didn't address their wide receiver problems in the summer um, when they absolutely should have. Uh, so for me, we will go there. We will beat them, uh, and that will probably knock them out of the wild card. Well, that means that you will end on a thirteen and four record, which has you at the moment as our joint third most optimistic fan. Only our Bills fan and 49ers fan with a more... It's only the 49ers fan with a higher record than yourself. So that is a, um, a positive outlook on the season. Now, normally, we ask our guests who have put records where it can get them to playoffs. We normally ask our guests how far we're going to playoffs. But, Steve, you are coming on for our predictions episode come just a week before the season starts. So we're going to save that one for when you come on with Luke, who's going to be on for the Bears episode in a few days' time. Uh, and we'll save that for them. So find out. Mm. So if you want to find out where Steve thinks Eagles will go in the playoffs, keep an eye out for that episode a week before the season starts, where we predict all the division winners, the MVP, you know, uh, Super Bowl winner, AFC champion, NFC champion, surprise team, flop team, and all those other ones like that. You'll find us all on our upcoming episode towards the start of the season. But that is where we'll end the episode for today. So uh, once again, thank you, Steve, for returning to the show. No problem. Uh, just the final comment there for Luke. Uh, Justin Fields is just the Wish.com version of Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember we talked before on WhatsApp about like, you aren't the biggest Jalen Hurts fan, I don't think. I know it's not Jalen Hurts, just a fan. No, I don't. I think he's a super limited quarterback. Uh, I think this is going to be the season um, he gets found out. Talking to Hurts, actually, I can't work out whether it's a 1 or 11 on your, on, on your jersey you're wearing right now. Is it Carson? It's most definitely a 1. Most definitely a 1. Ah, oh, nice, nice. Are you, you wearing that to London when we... Um, Absolutely, we're... yeah. I'll be there for the, the Bills Titans game this year. Hopefully see you there. Yeah, hopefully to meet you and Luke for the first time in person, which would be quite a nice experience. That'd be fantastic. Great. So that has been the Across the Pod NFL podcast, Philadelphia Eagles season preview. And we'll see you guys for our next episode, which will be the Indianapolis Colts. See you then. Bye-bye.